Out of the pen, onto the mound. It's the second hour of Sports Talk Now batting. Wow, I'm really changing metaphors, yet with staying within the same sport. Now batting, Evan Kahn. Are we facing off here? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'm not. I ain't pitching. No, oh, okay. <laughs> Great to see you, sir. Welcome in. It's hour number two. We chatted to Illini football last hour with Robert Rosenthal. Lord Tate was in, and... We'll talk some more football. Joshua Perry from the Big Ten Network is coming aboard here in just a little bit. He was on the call for the Illinois game this past weekend and also covers the Big Ten as a whole for the network and an Ohio State grad. He might have a few thoughts on a certain football game coming up. And he's got a co-host of the rally over on Bally Sports, which covers pretty much everything. So he's your, he's your what, what's the word I'm looking for here? Renaissance man. He, uh, I was going to say successful. Or that. Guy. Yeah. He's, 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 he's got some gigs. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm grateful for this gig. Glad you're with us. White Sox baseball tonight. The Southsiders hosting the Kansas City Royals. Okay, guys, you kind of got to start. Uh, winning some games so now would be a good time Cubs in Toronto that uh, starts off just after the top of the next hour and the Cardinals are in Cincinnati is it a two-syllable or a three-syllable word because I've heard it said both ways within the last 10 minutes by people who broadcast for a living Cardinals (laughs) I've always kind of said it two syllables Cardinals yeah Cardinals kind of like Wednesday yes there's some superfluous letters mm-hmm. in there. But, yeah, Albert Pujols, we were talking about it last, uh, uh, set a record, 450 different pitchers that he has homered off of. That is incredible. Uh, the Cardinals also have a candidate for the Triple Crown in Paul Goldschmidt. There's a lot of storylines around them. Aaron Judge continues to be good at hitting home runs as well, especially in one season. <laughs> No, I was trying to to come up with a number here. So 450 pitchers, different pitchers, that would put him solidly in 41st all-time if we were just doing individual pitchers that Albert's hit home runs off of. But no, he's hit multiple off of others, so he's (laughs) up there in the top 10 as well. But really cool to see, uh, as Lauren was pointing out, uh, he might have hit it off the lefty. Yeah, he hit it off Detweiler last night, but he did get the start against a righty, which I've been clamoring for for a long time. So hopefully we keep seeing that and him chase it. Hopefully Judge gets hot, and I, I don't, Kind of like we were saying with Nebraska in the postgame show on Saturday, I don't root for the Yankees, but baseball is better when the Yankees are good. So if Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo, when they can get going again, I think we'll have a good September following the home run races and the expanded playoffs, giving more teams to, to stay competing longer. 
There's a lot of guys on the Yankees that's hard to root against, starting with Tony Rizzo. It's, but yeah, Aaron it's, Judge way, too. it's way different. Yeah, I think. I mean, yeah, you go around. I, I got nothing against Giancarlo Stanton. I think he's a good guy. People have their own opinion about Josh Donaldson. He kind of sticks his foot in his mouth from time to time. But they, it, it's not Steinbrenner, Steinbrenner's Yankees like it once was, where it's just full of the best free agents and they're just winning all the time. It's crazy to think that. You know, they haven't won a World Series in almost 15 years. And that that formula doesn't always work either anymore. Not Just anymore. go sign all the best free agents you can, in part because baseball's weird. Well, that and, and teams are finally getting smarter, and it's no longer these owners who are just making money. Well, they, they still do that from time to time, see Oakland A's. But most of them are owning teams and trying to put competent teams on, on the field to win championships, not like it, it used to be. I really do get a kick out of sell the team signs showing up at Guaranteed Rate Field because <laughs> you are never, as a fan, happy with your ownership. When your team wins a championship, you're like, uh, all right, they're okay. you know. But they're still the big evil people with a lot of money. When it, <laughs> oh, yeah. And as soon as anything goes wrong, it's kind of like a politician. Like, vote that one out of office, please. Get in somebody else. And as soon as they're in, you're like, nah. It's all with them. It's always the figureheads, right? Yeah. I, I mean, it, it starts with with Tony Larusa, and then you've got Ryan Storff in there, and then the anybody paying attention back in fourteen and fifteen when the Sox were quote unquote competing and couldn't get a team over five hundred, there was the fire Rick Hahn, you know, kinds of things going on. It, it's it's always you know the higher ups. I I'm not defending Ryan Storff. I'm not defending any of that or Tony Larusa for that matter. All I'm saying is. When, like for me, when the Cubs won the, the World Series, it's like, oh, okay, thanks, Ricketts. <laughs> and then the next year, it's like, well, the Ricketts, and then the, you know, and then you know, now it's you know, now the common mantra is, wow, they make so much money, they're printing money. Why don't they have a better team? Yep. Like, okay, you want the Cubs to be sold and get some other owners, and then when they don't win, you're going to be upset at them. <laughs> <laughs> well, in in. They're taking that from the ground up is this week the MLBPA approached the minor leaguers and said, hey, we want you to unionize and start getting some of those billionaires dollars that, that you rightfully deserve. So that'll be that'll be a, another thing for people to gripe about for the next couple of years as they work that out. Freedom to the people. Uh, speaking of problems for the people, uh, Josh Whitman today, we talked about it last hour, but uh, Josh Whitman making a statement today saying the fan experiences for uh, many that were in long lines, especially for the the tickets, but I believe there was also concession issues and, and what have you, and it was a hot day to boot, basically saying they want to do better. He issued an apology, said they're, making, uh, they're taking steps to, to work on it, and I say give them a chance in the Virginia game, see if it's better. It uh, wasn't particularly good. Uh, especially on the west side, but they are acknowledging it, so I give them credit for that. They're apologizing, give them credit for that, and they're going to make changes, they say, and tell us what the changes are before uh, Virginia. So I appreciate the those are the fine points of a good apology. I'm sorry, here's what I did that I'm owning, and here's what I'm going to do to fix it. And in this case, you can hold me accountable because I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do that's going to be different. So I say apology accepted, and let's see if it's different in two weeks. There's a chance that Illinois could be 2-0, and and I believe that the Virginia game will not go the same way it did last year. First of all, it's a different venue, and it's your home field. 
second of all, I think there's going to be a little bit, I'm not letting that happen again, kind of mon- uh, mindset from that defense collectively. So, and if you do get any kind of nice, cool, crisp fall weather on a September Saturday, <laughs> not a whole lot of reason not to go out there as long as you're not standing a needless line for 30 to 40 minutes. <laughs> it sounds like there was a multitude of reasons on everybody's side when it came to those lines on Saturday. And like you said, uh, Whitman covered his bases, and we'll see over the next, you know, whatever that is, 10, 11 days, uh, what changes that they'll come up with in 100%. It's... The Wyoming game, as you guys talked last hour, I, I don't think it, it really gave a, a great measuring stick for where this Illinois team is. It just kind of showed, okay, they, they've got a team that they can put on the field this year, and, and they'll continue building that up. I think Friday's a, a good barometer. It's like, okay, how do you fare against Big Ten? We don't know what Indiana is, but you get that, then you might start getting some people excited. We heard all, all about, you know, well, Wyoming doesn't move the meter. Okay, well, two wins against uh, a Big Ten team and, and then another one. Now you've got a, a Power Five opponent coming in. Like you said, just all the different factors into it. You you would hope that fans want to to start to come out more. Arguably the biggest game for the next three four weeks uh, against Virginia. I know there's the Thursday night game, but that's against an FCS school or a very low FBS school. And, and then you've got a, a week off in there, and you're going to Wisconsin. So. Look for for positive changes as far as the the stadium environment goes. Hope for a win on Friday, and we'll we'll see what people have the stomach for uh, against Virginia in a couple weeks. Yeah, I I know that Wyoming doesn't move the meter, but I'll tell you this: after seeing how Illinois played against Wyoming, I went. I'm interested to see what they'll do on Friday. I don't think there's a feeling of oh gosh, this could be terrible. It might be, but I don't think that's the feeling. I think it's going to be a close game or possibly a, a decent win for Illinois. And I also saw a team that went, I, I'll i be interested to see what they can do against Virginia. And I'll be interested to see. I Okay, I do have a little of the, oh, gosh, when they go to a Wisconsin feeling. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of other teams where I go, hmm, let's see what they could do. But you've got to keep building that, and we yes. know that most uh, of all with Illinois fans because a loss on Friday, I mean, that's all gone, and you're going to take weeks and weeks to build it back up. Think about that Wisconsin game. There was nobody at that game when Illinois came back and won back in 2019, and then the, oh, oh, you did win a game. Now we'll, we'll start coming again. So you got to keep building and and winning games so that people stay engaged. Was at the Cardinals game on Sunday. A lot of Illini fans in the family and coming off of had the same kind of feeling well let's see what they do and I imagine if Friday night they they get a clunker they won't be quite as engaged when Virginia comes to town you know the the Virginia game last year was a bad game you lose 42 to 14 where after that did you feel like Illinois just came out and laid an egg Wisconsin oh yeah that was an egg yeah. In fact, the uh, score shaped like an egg. All right, <laughs> you got me there because I kept thinking about all the one score or close game losses for Illinois. So, and that was that was a case where the better team was just they won. Wisconsin's mm-hmm. better. Illinois is not right right there. But there wasn't too many other eggs. There were frustrating losses. There were frustrating like why did you decide to do that? Uh, but they were competitive, and I just think that's what so far 
the trajectory is, again, I think that's carried over into all of this. Well, we've heard out, out of Lincoln exactly what close games can do for you, right? I, I mean, everybody's still in it, even though they've lost more games than Illinois over the last three years. I, I mean, their fan base is just rabid, and you stay in games, and you give people a reason to stick around, then you can you can build up a little something. Hey, cut day uh, for the NFL and some good news for former Illini players. Tony Adams mm-hmm. makes the roster for the Jets. I think that's good news. Yeah, that's good news. That was a dig on the Jets, not Tony Adams. Uh, <laughs> see what I did there? You're not wrong there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Milo Eifler is on the Washington roster. Again. Yeah. Uh, Verdarian Lowe makes the roster for the Vikings. So some of the f- uh, recent former Illini uh, back out there. Of course, Doug Kramer is not on the 53-man for the Bears because he got he's put on, on injured yeah, reserve. Yeah, he's on the IR or the PUP or whatever list it is. Yeah. So he, he's, he's got that entry that everybody seems to be having this year. I don't think I'd ever heard of the, uh, the Liz Frank Liz Liz Frank injury. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, Najee Harris has one. Uh Darnold, Sam Darnold has one as well. Not a good one. It's the the arch of your foot. And uh, let's see. Well, I assume the other players that are still in the league are are, are in it, like uh, yeah, Nick Allegretti and what have you. But it sounds like the the cutoff is like two thirty, but teams are late, and the NFL doesn't really care about it. So we'll see as they come in. But yeah, you you figure you know Kirby Joseph probably made a roster uh, after getting drafted. Um, Plenty, plenty of others. Jake Hansen coming off that INT, playing for Lovey. Who knows? Maybe he makes the Texans. Coming up, Joshua Perry, who played a little bit in the NFL as well and now works for the Big Ten Network. He joins us on Sports Talk right after this. You've got Sports Talk. I'm Scott Beatty with Evan Kahn. The Illini back in action on Friday night after the season opener. The man that uh, called that game on television, one of the men who called it, was Josh Perry. He joins us now from the Big Ten Network and others. Former Ohio State linebacker, former NFL player as well. And uh, we're pleased, Josh, that you made some time for us here on the program. Thanks so much. Absolutely no problem. I appreciate y'all having me. I know you're a little bit more recent in its history, but still, my congratulations to you and the Big Ten Network celebrating a 15-year anniversary today. That's got to be a proud moment. It is. I was actually in studio today for uh, Big Ten Today, and we were talking about it, and obviously Revson uh, was hosting the show. He's been there since the inception, said the first words on the network, and I was with Dave Wanstead, who's been up there for nine years now, and I'm entering year four and this is a place that uh, took a chance on a young analyst just a year removed from his playing days when I got to BTN and uh, has allowed me to explore multiple roles in studio, on digital, and now doing games as well. Um, I'm really fortunate, and I love being able to cover the conference that I played in to be able to highlight the players within this conference as well. I think it's phenomenal. And, and you do a great job. When you were playing, was this in the back of your mind, to be uh, working in sports broadcasting? It never was. I I wanted to get into real estate, which I dabbled in uh, when I was done playing football, but never made a plan to get into media, and it was something that naturally happened. I'll tell you, it's the best decision I've made besides uh, 
going to the Ohio State University, and sorry, Illini fans, and uh, getting married to my wife, Madison. <laughs> I love this career path. Well, the, the Big Ten Network has some Illini people on, too, there, including Howard Griffith. So I suppose we'll, we'll allow it because there's, there's some balance. Josh Perry for the Big Ten Network here with us. Hey, your impressions of Illinois after seeing them uh, on Saturday against Wyoming? It's a, it's a good football team, and I know that a lot of people are looking for that talent to kind of jump up in the next couple of years, and Coach Bielema has done a great job within the portal and also, uh, also with high school recruiting of trying to turn the roster over a little bit, but I think you're, you're looking at a good football team. I love what DeVito provides to this offense, a guy who's got some athletic ability, but the football certainly jumps out of his hand. You see Chase Brown in the run game, and that offensive line opened up some gaping lanes for him and a lot of wide receivers played in there specifically Isaiah Williams had a couple of plays that were negated due to penalty but he was exciting and then defensively I love the secondary and I love the linebacker group as well and I think you want to see a little bit more in terms of negative plays from the defensive front but this is a team that I think can pull upsets like we saw last year it beat Minnesota who's the top 25 team at the time beat Penn State who was top 25 at the time it's about now making sure you can go out and you can beat your matchup opponents. So you've got this game coming up against Indiana on a Friday night. I think a really good opportunity to show that you're a mature team who can go out and win that type of game where uh, you feel like the chess pieces are aligned. But, uh, I mean, Brett Bielema, I respect him a ton as a coach. I think he's sharp as all get out, and this is a team on the rise. We're talking with Josh Perry here on Sports Talk. Hey, Josh, this is Evan. You, you brought up the lack of tackles for losses or, or sacks on Saturday. What do you think maybe was a, a reasoning behind that? It didn't look like uh, Wyoming's offensive line was necessarily overpowering. They also didn't break off a whole lot of big plays, a couple quarterback runs there uh, throughout the game. But where, where was the, the lack of pressure coming from on the defense? It, it was twofold. Number one, there was not a lot of drop-back passing game out of Wyoming. Everything they wanted to do was quick game, and they weren't really able to establish a rhythm in it. And, and They had an injury at wide receiver during training camp um, that really set them back. They had one receiving option that I thought was a legit threat, and the rest of the guys were kind of feeling their way through it. So they didn't feel comfortable dropping back. That was number one. And then number two, if you look at Wyoming's run game, they were a direct run team. And what I mean by that was everything was trying to hit downhill pretty quickly. And even on their powers and counters, a lot of them were trying to hit pretty tight into the A and B gap. So there's not a lot of time to create that penetration. And so I think just from a schematic standpoint, the opportunities for TFLs weren't very high. So, uh, of course, you want guys to kind of go above and beyond the X's and O's of the game and make those highlight plays. But Certainly it's week zero, it's the first game of the year, and, and, and you want to play it pretty honest, too, so you don't give up those big plays. So uh, certainly something I'll be looking forward to down the line is a little bit more explosive in the trenches, but uh, the game plan really didn't set up for it either. And then looking ahead to Illinois' game on Friday against Indiana, I think some of us were a little surprised at how much Illinois went to the air on Saturday. Maybe not so much downfield, but they did pass it over 30 times, something we really didn't see out of Brandon Peters last year. Were you surprised by that, and do you think that's going to be a big part of the game plan going forward? I don't think I was generally surprised by it because, as I mentioned, I think DeVito is a quarterback that a lot of people would like to have right now. You trust him to put the football in the air. You also trust this offensive line for Illinois right now to protect him. And I know that was a point of contention a year ago. 
for Coach Bielema is wanting to build up that depth and, and really have that edge on their offensive line. A lot of athletic guys, not necessarily road graders, but guys who can create movement and they can latch on to blocks. Um, and you want to establish rhythm as well, and that's something that comes with this Barry Lunny defense is tempo. And, and tempo doesn't mean going fast all the time, but there's a certain pace and rhythm to the game, and that's what you saw with the quick passes. And eventually the quick passes in the run game sets up for the deep shot down the field. And there were a couple of them that were available, maybe didn't hit on on Saturday. So I think this is what the offense is going to look like a little bit more. Definitely a change from what we've seen in years past, but I think a positive change. What do you think of the overall plan for Brett Bielma, which seems to be, and again, not all, as you just mentioned, all the offense has been exposed yet, but seems to be a tough run, kind of uh, a, a mirror of Wisconsin and Iowa especially as opposed to some of the other programs in the in the in the Big 10 West. I mean, trying to copy that, can they can they be as successful? Can they do it at Illinois? I think so. It, you know, this is it's a system and it's a mentality and we kind of got into the nitty-gritty of what's going on offensively with coach Bielema in the meetings and he was pretty wide open with us is he said that essentially the kind of old-school power run game exists in that offense, and you can see it with some of the power and counter plays. Uh, but it's it's a little bit more new school, where it's not about knocking guys straight off of the football all the time. It's about creating movement. And it's a really unique way to achieve it. But also, this pass game is, is a little bit different. And Coach Bielema said when he's had personnel to open up the pass game, Russell Wilson, He's done it before, and so if he could run this every year, I think this is what he would like to be offensively. So uh, the mixture of personnel, I think, has a lot to do with it, but um, I know just schematically where the game is today, this is kind of where you want to be, that mix of those runs that can hit you hard, but also a team that can play out in space and really make you defend the full width of the field. We're talking with Josh Perry from the Big Ten Network. I wanted to ask you about the marquee game of the universe that is this Saturday that involves your alma mater, Ohio State, against Notre Dame. Your thoughts on it, and do you agree that Notre Dame has more to lose, so to speak, in terms of the playoff picture? Oh, man, that's a good question. So to answer that last one first, I would say there's probably more to lose for them. Ohio State's going to have numerous chances this year. You get a crack at Wisconsin, um, just playing in the Big Ten East with Penn State, Michigan State. I think Michigan's going to be a really good uh, team this year. You can you can drop one early and win out and, and be in position. I think for Notre Dame, you know, if you don't slay the dragon of Ohio State, then they're going to ask the question, what are you going to be like against some of these other top teams in the country. Things I'm going to be looking for specifically is this Ohio State defense versus Notre Dame offense matchup. Ohio State's defense going back to 2020 has not been that good. You get a new coordinator in, and Jim Knowles wants to be aggressive, wants to move everybody around the field. It creates negative plays, but it makes you susceptible to big plays in the back end if you get lost in coverage. So limiting big plays. For Notre Dame, are they going to be that explosive on offense, breaking in a new quarterback? You have some injuries at wide receiver. You got Michael Mayer, who might be one of the best players, could be the best player in the country when it's all said and done this year. So that's a big benefit. But what scares me a little bit, Notre Dame is a top five team in America. 17 and a half point dog to Ohio State. Mm -hmm. I get where Ohio State is and all the talent that exists there. I get that you got to travel to the horseshoe and you're playing in a night game. But 17 and a half feels like a humongous number to me. So the expectations 
on Ohio State are really high right now. Notre Dame can play that big underdog card, which when I was a player, when we played that, it worked for us. So there's going to be a little bit more than just the X's and O's going on in this game. Marcus Freeman coming back, a guy who played at Ohio State. He's got three or four staffers who have Ohio State ties. Like, this game could be a pretty interesting one. So where do you fall on the big controversy between Ohio State will win the national championship and Ohio State will finish second in the national championship? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, you know, I got to roll with my Buckeyes. If there's a year, (laughs) this is the year. And I'm going to try to draw parallels that probably won't make sense by the end of the year. But uh, 2013 was my sophomore year at Ohio State. And I was a, a part, starting part of that defense that was a historically bad defense at that point. Couldn't defend the pass to save our lives. We thought that we were national championship contenders, much like Ohio State did a year ago, and we ended up losing in a Big Ten championship. And our consolation was playing in an Orange Bowl, which we ended up losing. Much like Ohio State, your consolation's playing in a Rose. They win the game, which is the outcome you want. But you get the defensive changes. And we know what 2014 was for Ohio State. It was a national championship season. And so I think going through an off season of hearing all the reasons why you stink and all the reasons why you came up short goes a long way for the mentality of a team. So I think that's a big part of the storyline here for Ohio State is even though there are high expectations, there's still an internal drive for those players to rewrite a narrative that existed for the last two years, uh, and they're going to be purpose-driven to do that. Josh, we're, we're talking about obviously national title contenders but when, when it comes to the Big Ten and maybe some people were not paying enough attention to I think last year in Michigan State a, a team that people thought could be pretty good with all the transfers that they got in and then they end up blowing up is there a team that we're looking at as pretty good in the Big Ten that has a chance to maybe elevate to that national scene I'll give you two teams right now and they're both in the west that I am really high is number one Minnesota um, and they've got a lot of things going right for them Look offensively, Mo Ibrahim is healthy. He's certainly a game changer, a guy that you want to have out there as much as possible. Uh, you got Tanner Morgan coming back for his 27th year <laughs> in college football. A very <laughs> experienced veteran quarterback. We've seen him at his really high end. We've also seen him at the lower ends, but he's paired with Kirk Shiraka, and that was a magical combination in 2019, one of the most efficient passing offenses in the country. Their defense last year was a a phenomenal defense that nobody really talked about. They were one of the best scoring defenses in the country, one of the best total defenses in the country. And outside of their defensive line, a lot of those pieces are back, and I know that they're going to be motivated to get a little bit more of that pub. The other team, Purdue. And George Karloftis is not walking in the door for that defense, and so you got to find a way to to build back his production. But they took a step on that side of the ball a year ago, and Aiden O'Connell is a great quarterback and if C.J. Stroud wasn't playing in the conference, he would have been the, the, the quarterback of the year uh, last year. So, uh, to me, they've got a lot going for them. I think that they can run the football a little bit better than they've done in the past. And I'm not saying, um, you know, like they should run it more. Like, I think they can actually do it better. Um, and, and so, to me, it's lining up for them. I like those two teams. Josh Perry, Big Ten Network, also host of the Rally on Bally Sports. And uh, we appreciate some time. This is your first time with us on Sports Talk. Congratulations on four seasons now with the Big Ten Network and all that's coming your way. We really appreciate it. Hopefully we can do it again. No, I appreciate you guys having me. Just let me know when you want me back. We're glad to do it. Thank you very much. Josh Josh 
Perry from the Big Ten Network. Give him a follow on Twitter as well. You've got sports talk. We've got some more items of the day to navigate through, including uh, some baseball talk. Uh, we talked a little bit last hour about Albert Pujols with his 694th win, uh, home run, that is. We talked about it this hour as well. Meanwhile, it's always a big moment when you get numero uno. Payoff. Crank in the air. No counter. The first big league homer for Chucky Robinson. Hey, Danville Zone gets one out. I feel like there's a lot of guys that hit their first home run in Cincinnati. It's built for it. <laughs> if you were going to do do it somewhere, uh, do it in Cincinnati. But, yeah, Danville Zone uh, went to Southern Miss. Chucky Robinson, and relatively old, in quotes, for a ball player now that he's, what, 28? He was coming up on his 28th birthday. Mm-hmm. So uh, good for him. Just a feel-good moment. Yeah, really good, especially, you know, the the Reds, the situation they're in. He got called up for the Field of Dreams game, if I remember right, and he's stuck around for a couple, three weeks. So uh, a a nice audition for a a guy looking to to stick on the roster through the winter and give himself a chance in the spring. (laughs) That's a nice call-up. Hey, first game. If you hear, if you get a call, say your first, hey, you're going to be playing in Iowa. You're thinking like, what am I going to Des Moines? Is this Triple A? I want to go to the big leagues. You know, it's not Des Moines. <laughs> or the yes is silent. Is the city buzzing? <laughs> My favorite read. But with, with the Cardinals in Cincinnati, and they just absolutely destroyed the Reds last night, which is kind of what you want to do. I think couple guys with multi-homer in games. I know Corey Dickerson went off for a couple, and we mentioned Pujols. But sitting here right now, the Brewers, if they, they got two against the Cubs over the weekend and won one yesterday. So they might finally be figuring it out after a month uh, without Josh Hader. But this is a, a chance for the Cardinals to win some games. Their next series include the, this four-game set with the Reds. They've got the Cubs. They've got the Nationals. They've got the Pirates. I mean, these are all teams that you should be taking two of three, three of four from, and you can just kind of build this thing out. They've got a, a two-gamer with Milwaukee in a couple weeks. But other than that, it's a, a bunch of bottom feeders here for, for really the last month and a half for the Cardinals. Just depends on the energy of those bottom feeders. Sometimes they, they want to play spoiled sports. Sometimes they got call-ups who are real hungry. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they just don't care. Yeah, yeah. You see last night with the Reds, the Reds have just, I don't know, they, they've just really struggled all year. So you figure they're one of them. Pittsburgh, they've got guys running the bases with phones in their pockets. So those are some <laughs> games that you should win. The National... Those are two franchises that, other than if you were beating the Cubs, like I, I really would like to see you have success. I would feel great. Those are there's two cities where every game there should be a sell the team banner. I mean, the the, the Reds owner quoted as saying, "What else are you going to do?" The Pirates have a, a lower payroll than what Mike Trout is making this year, <laughs> and the owner takes a picture with a kid that says "sell the team," and he doesn't even realize it. Like just incompetence everywhere. And, and again, baseball would be better if Cincinnati is good i i mean they just come out you saw the all-star game there i mean that's been seven eight years ago but really good atmosphere so much baseball history in that city but they can't put a good team on the field uh switching back to football scott frost apparently today had to uh 
kind of cover his tracks when it came to his comments about the offense. My question is, if you missed it, Scott Frost, Nebraska head coach, said his offense needs to be more creative, more inventive after their loss to Northwestern. This from a guy that was up by 11 points and chose to onside kick, which (laughs) the only thing I can say there is even if it failed, you were still up 11 points. So something else went wrong as well. It's not like an onside kick gives away 11 points, but curious choice nonetheless. (laughs) However, here's a guy that sometimes is too transparent as a head coach, but we, my, my question is, is, what do you want? What do you want? Do you want a coach who tells it like it is, who says what's on his mind, or do you want a coach that always gives you the sanitized PR version? Because today he said, after asked if he was at odds with his uh, offensive coordinator in Mark Whipple, no, not at all. He's really smart, really good at what he does. We have a lot of other coaches who are really smart and good at what they do. We need to find our rhythm of putting all the best stuff together. I thought it was good on Saturday. It can be better. If you asked Brett Bielma last year at midway through the season if he was happy with his offensive coordinator, he would say yes. And then he fired him (laughs) because everyone could see it wasn't working. I mean, what else is a head coach supposed to say? He says, no, I don't like my head offensive coordinator, and I'm just playing out the string with him, and then I'm going to make a change. That does no, no help. So I just don't know what we want out of coaches sometimes. Well, Scott Frost just continues to just not be working out in Nebraska. It's just a, a bad look, right? This is the OC that was brought in to call plays because you couldn't call plays because your offense wasn't working, and then you're going to throw him under the bus in Ireland after his first 60 minutes on the staff. I, I just I, I don't think it was a, a wise comment I I think he would have been better off with the PR answer in that case and you figure things out behind the scenes because yeah you just don't air your laundry your your dirty laundry in public right you don't no it's not wasn't particularly smart on his part but I'm just saying we whoever the collective we is we also love to uh we love to roll our eyes at the PR sanit you know the sanitized vanilla comment and just go whatever and 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 then at the same time when a coach is peels back that curtain and we go, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it was just not the time and place for those comments. Just just really bad and continues as we were talking on the postgame show. You might be a really good football guy. He just doesn't strike me as a very good head coach at this level. There is a, a level to where he seems overmatched. Mm-hmm. You just yeah, you just look at him on the sidelines, and, and it's yeah, it, it's not like most head coaches. It's just kind of like I, I don't know. It's just I don't again don't root for people to lose their jobs, but I just I'd be surprised if he's in Lincoln come this time next year. I might be surprised if he's in Lincoln come this time <laughs> in, in a month, in a couple <laughs> when, of months when, 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 when the, Illinois travels to Lincoln, whenever that is. That's a legitimate question. Who will be the head coach for Nebraska? Because on October 1st, isn't it, that his buyout drops? Oh. So they could let him go midway through the season. I don't know what it serves you or doesn't serve you. It totally depends on what the next several games are like for the for the Huskers oh, yeah. as well. Yeah, I, and we saw, I think, Nebraska, or not Nebraska, but Northwestern's on one of their upswings again. It looks like Kalinske's kind of figured out the, the Big Ten thing. Their offensive line just continues to get high grades when it comes to next-level kind of people, and you figure Pat Fitzgerald will put together a, a pretty good defense. So Northwestern might be on, on the upswing as well. Again, the West, 
Good luck figuring that out. Nope. Probably the best team without having any of these other teams besides the three we just talked about having played yet. Probably the best team is Wisconsin, but maybe it's Iowa. And you just heard Josh Perry from the Big Ten say, look out for Minnesota and Purdue. And now it's like, well, maybe Northwestern's not terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so it's and it's, Nebraska was supposed to be better if they could get out if they, their head coach could get out of their way. Well, yeah, it's something we didn't even get to with him. But yeah, you start lining it up, and it's like this league might be deeper than it's ever been. I know it's always been a good football league, but outside of Rutgers and and maybe even North or Nebraska, even though Kirk Herbstreit picked them to win the West on Saturday, but he wasn't alone. No, no. Some people believe in them. So, I, I mean, you could have 13, 14 quality teams yeah. facing off every week once uh, October rolls around. Uh, you know, it's obviously Ohio State and all the rest, but the gap between number two and number 14 probably isn't as big as it has been in the past. Yeah, the, and that, that's what you've been trying to get to. I mean, you're thinking back, I could go through the numbers, but more than three quarters of Big Ten teams have turned over head coaches in the last decade and we're finally getting some some stability throughout the conference. Our finisher is coming up. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Yeah, Colin and Joey Wright as well tomorrow night on Prep Football Confidential. We're looking forward to that. And then tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, it's the Brett Bielma Show live at Papa Dell's. Now the football team is going to be practicing tomorrow night. Brett Bielma's portion of it will be pre-recorded, but live there at Papa Dell's will be Josh Whitman, along with Illini soccer coach Janet Rayfield and Illini volleyball coach Chris Thomas. So still reasons to get on out there uh, tomorrow. Yeah, and it looks like Jahad Ward still playing in the league, made the Giants roster as it's cut down day for the NFL, and James McCourt still has a chance. He has not been cut by the Jaguars, but they have two kickers on their roster. And hmm. you know, only 53 guys, probably not going to carry two, but still a chance for, for that guy as well. McCourt for the win. <laughs> See if he can do it. Have you gotten into, I have not yet, but have you gotten into the Untold series uh, on Netflix. I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. We uh, we did, I guess, touch on the Manti Teo one a, a couple weeks ago. I watched the And One documentary as part of that as well. That was really good. Is um, that? Uh, oh, yeah, that's about the, uh, the, the street ball league, right? Yeah, and the... the uh, see, what's funny is I remember or the, them. Or the brand. Right? Yeah, yeah, it was just a, a basketball brand. The first basketball shoes I had were and ones but they didn't even start with shoes but that's a really good one and yeah the the Donahue one should be coming out with the the referee who bet on NBA games so yeah all really good the first time that uh, I was introduced to and one was I just bought a package of socks from Walmart (laughs) and then I saw this what you mentioned that there's a whole history behind it and how it I just thought it was like Walmart's generic like oh let's just call it and one yeah it's it's a pretty interesting story I didn't realize how big it got and 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 then the fall of it that's what what the documentary is about thanks to our guests today Robert Rosenthal from IlliniBoard.com Josh Perry from the Big Ten Network tomorrow Zach Osterman from the Indianapolis Star Colin Likas from the News Gazette prep scene and we'll see who else emerges along the way Thanks to Ed Bond on the other side. Have a great Wednesday evening. White Sox coming up at 6.30 on WDWS. Champagne-Urbana, good night.